Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. Amen. Let's enter into the teaching. You may stay seated. You may stay seated. Opening up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. So about four years ago, I brought a a sermon series on the life of Joseph. Um, And uh, uh, earlier in the year, the Lord put in my heart this time of year to bring it back. It's a teaching that ministers to me and encourages me. I hope that it would encourage you. It will be three sermons on the life of um, Joseph. Today it will be the inevitable, the inevitable pit. Next week is the inevitable journey. And the week after that, it is the inevitable results. Inevitable pit, inevitable journey, inevitable results. If you have never read the story of Joseph, it starts in Genesis 37 and finishes in Genesis 50, uh, 37, 39, and on. 38 is not about the life of Joseph, but it's, it's about the family. I want to encourage you over the next few weeks If you would just read or listen to Genesis 37 through 50, I promise you that that story will encourage you and it will help you also just to really bring together these teachings over the next three weeks. Uh, And also, I'm sure there's so much more that you can draw for yourself and your family uh, with regard to the life of Joseph. Genesis chapter 37. Be patient with me. I I want to read uh, 28 verses and just kind of give an intro uh, to, to the life of Joseph, and then I'm going to summarize a little bit more of his life in this sermon. Just in case there's somebody here who doesn't really know the life of Joseph, I just want you to have an idea of how Joseph started off as one of the sons of Jacob, and he finished off in the palace as the second in command of all of Egypt. So today we're talking about the inevitable pit, the inevitable pit. Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 28. I'm going to read a little quickly, um, but we want to get through these 28 verses. Jacob lived in a land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, keep in mind that age 17, was tending the flock with his brothers, the sons of Balah and the sons of Selpha, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Uh, Joseph wrote a bad report about his brothers. Verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph, that's Jacob. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he had made an ornament, a robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more, that they loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated Joseph and could not speak a kind word about him. So Joseph had a dream. And when he had told his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out of the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while yours gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And and they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. 
Then he had another dream, and he told uh, to his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream, and, with, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I also, will your mother and I, your brothers, actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are gazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. Where Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are gazing their flocks? Uh, they have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let them go to Dothan. So Joseph uh, went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns or one of these pits and say that a furious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern or this pit where in the wilderness. But don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornament robe he was wearing, and they took, they took him and threw it and they threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of the Ishmaelites coming from Gilad. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the uh, Midianite merchants came by, his brother pulled Joseph up out of the cistern, out of the pit, and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that it would land in our hearts, that it would draw us near to you, Lord. I pray that you would speak to us today. Father, I pray that we would be reminded that in this life we live, uh, cisterns, pits are inevitable, but you meet us there to lead us and keep us for your, perfect for your perfect will. We pray in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. From the life of Joseph, the inevitable pit. So uh, this sermon today is going to remind us all that we all go through hard times in life. We all go through circumstances that we don't understand for Joseph, his life changed once he was thrown into the cistern. Once he was thrown into the pit, his life changed forever. I hope to share some light on why we go through some hard times in our lives, uh, even during these times. Why do we experience cistern seasons or pit seasons in our lives? 
just a recap of these 13 chapters in Genesis. Uh, as we have read, we know that Joseph was the 11th of 12 brothers of Jacob. It, it seems that he was the favorite of Jacob. It seems that Jacob favored him and gave him extra. Uh, Joseph got extra attention. He got gifts. He got um, care from his, from his father. Uh, and these things produced anger. Uh, in his brother, produced anger in his brothers and, and in his family. Joseph has a dream and he shares his dream with his brother. And his dream seems that he will be a hierarchy. And his, his brothers and his parents would bow down to him. So as we read, one day uh, the brothers are tending to the father's sheep. Joseph goes to check up on them. Because when we read the stories just a few chapters before, we see that there, was a, that there was war, there was battles, there was conflict between families. And Jacob wanted to make sure that his sons were okay. He sends Joseph. And when they see Joseph come in, um, they say, oh, here comes the dreamer. And their hatred for, for him was revealed even more to the point that they are committed to taking his life. As we read, we know that they don't take his life. They sell him uh, to a merchant that takes him to Egypt. And now Joseph is sold as a slave. And if you read the following chapters that um, uh, in Genesis, you'll see that he's sold as a slave and Potiphar becomes his master, and Potiphar works for Pharaoh as a, as a captain of the guard. Joseph has so much favor, does so well, that Potiphar makes him second in charge of his house. But Joseph was good-looking. Potiphar's wife got interested in Joseph. Joseph did all the right things, but in a moment um, where the house was empty, she falsely accused Joseph of sleeping with her or attacking her, uh, better said. And uh, now Potiphar puts Joseph in jail. He's in jail for a couple of years. And again, favor upon his life. He becomes a leader in the jail. Pharaoh sends two of his workers to jail. Um, and while they're there, Joseph is revealed their dreams. Their dreams come out to be true. One is restored to Pharaoh. The other one is killed. Two years pass by after that. And Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh's dream is particular. And no one of his people could interpret the dream. And then the worker that remembered Joseph in the jail said, hey, when I was in jail, there was this man, a Hebrew man, who was able to interpret my dreams. They bring Joseph before the Pharaoh, and he interprets the dreams. And at that point, Pharaoh makes Joseph the number two man in all of Egypt. And it's an incredible story. I want to encourage you to read Genesis chapter 37, so chapter 50 this week, I promise you, it will bless your life and help, help us lead to our next sermon, which is the inevitable journey. Um, but today is the inevitable pit. So we'll stop uh, our teaching today right at the pit. The verses that we read finishing at chapter 28, that's where we'll, we'll stop today. So the pit is a reminder to us, or the cistern is a reminder to us of a dry place, of a lonely place of a place of abandonment, a place of betrayal, a place of confusion, a place of loneliness, a place of fear, a place of insecurity. When we look at the life of Joseph while he's in the cistern and he's about to be sold, all those emotions are residing within him. Insecurity, fear, confusion, doubt, 
loneliness. He's dealing with all these hardships, abandonment, betrayal from his brothers, and he finds himself in a pit. I want to um, remind you today that pits of life are inevitable. No matter, no matter how long you've been in the gospel, no matter if you just started today or if you've been here for all your life, pits in the life are inevitable. We all go through moments of, of, of discouragement, of betrayal, of hardships, of shame, of loneliness. We all go through these times in life. They are inevitable. And some would ask, well, whose fault is it that we're in these pits? When we look at Joseph's story, some will say it was Joseph's fault for being so immature, for telling the stories of his dreams, for acting out as a spoiled kid. And some will say it was Joseph's fault. Others will say it's the father's fault for being so passive in his, in his, in his own home, for not seeing the conflict between the brothers and the son and, and yet not tending to the conflict of his home. That when you look at the story of Jacob in, in its totality, you can see that he was a passive father and perhaps... That was the reason. Others may say, well, it's his brothers. They were just outright evil. If you read chapter 34 of Genesis, you'll see that some of those guys, they were just outright evil, and they just did not have the heart of their father. And it was their fault. In all this, though, I love that the story, when you read these 13 chapters, you'll see that the story constantly says, in every pit of Joseph's life, it says, but the Lord was with him. But the Lord was with him. In every circumstance, in every hardship, it says, but the Lord was with him. I want to tell you today and remind you this morning that pits of life are inevitable. We all will go through them. Sometimes we think, you know, we become Christians. This should get easier for us. Um, at times, that's far from the truth. At times, God allows circumstances in our life to keep us in his will and prepare us for the journey that is at hand. And at times he allows cisterns in our life. When I just reflect on some pit moments in my life, some cisterns moments in my life, I, 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 see, I see how God, uh, hindsight is so powerful. We can look back and say, wow, I see her. God was doing something in me through that time. And I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're going through a pit season in your life right now. I want to let you know that the Lord is with you. And the church says, three things I want to share with you this morning. Three things. The first one is, the pit is a place of change. It's a place of change. Uh, now, Joseph found himself in a situation that was foreign to him. Lonely, betrayed, sold, servant. Lonely, betrayed, sold, servant is exactly who he was not before. And he finds himself in a different place. Why? I believe one of the reasons is because God wanted to bring a change to the way that Joseph thought. It was obvious that Joseph dealt with some pride. He tells his brothers and his parents, hey, you guys are going to bow down to me. The dream says it. Right? He was dealing with some pride. He, he was dealing with a lack of wisdom. I know he was just 17 years old. But the Lord was preparing him and he was dealing with a lack of wisdom. And it seems that he was a little spoiled by his father. And God was going to do something with Joseph. God was going to use Joseph to serve people. And he would need to have more of a servant's heart if he was going to serve people. And Joseph needed change. 
and the pit is a place of change. He wasn't ready for what God was going to do with him. God had allowed some circumstances in his life to teach him humility, to teach him submission, to teach him to come to know his place. And there is where God can use him. This is not, this is not uh, new to us. In the Bible, we can see different uh, stories of different people that God had to speak to them because they did not uh, have it right. and They needed change in their thinking, change in their ways of leading. We could see it in Peter. There was a time where Peter just felt that the gospel was only for the Hebrew people. And the Lord has to speak to him in a dream and remind them, don't call anything impure that I have made. In other words, the gospel is for all people. And, and he needs a rebuke from God to remind him that he needs to change. Even when we read the story of Job, right, the, the, the righteous Job. But Job was so righteous, he became self-righteous. And he even says things like, I am innocent. I don't deserve this punishment that came upon my life. Job says that. And God has to let him know at the end of the book, says, who are you? Who are you to even question? Were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? In other words, he's saying, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm teaching you something, that your life is all about what I want to do with you and in you. And sometimes circumstances in life, God wants to bring change. When we look at the story of Moses, I've, I've shared this with you. Moses, he lived 120 years, 40 years under, uh, under Pharaoh, 40 years in the desert under his father-in-law, 40 years leading the Israelites. After the first 40 years, he already had the inkling in his heart. It's what scripture teaches us. For his own people. And when he saw a Hebrew slave being abused, what, he kills the Egyptian. Why? Because he knew how to lead like a pharaoh. He learned from the pharaoh, when I need justice done, I lead like a pharaoh. And God wasn't looking for a pharaoh. He was looking for a pastor. He was looking for somebody who can tend sheep. So what does he do? He sends him uh, to his father-in-law for 40 years in the desert, who is a pastor of sheep. And for 40 years, Moses leads uh, with his father-in-law tending sheep. What was happening there? God was preparing Moses. He was changing his Pharaoh mindset to a pastor's mindset. Because for 40 years, he would lead the Israelites in the desert. And he didn't want a Pharaoh leading them. He wanted a pastor leading them. So sometimes God allows desert times, pit times in our lives to bring change so that he could use us for his glory and for his honor. And that's what he did with Joseph. He allowed a cistern in his life to change him. I know that life has brought us many pits, many hardships, and God is, is allowing them to bring change into our lives. Sometimes our, our, our pits have had to do with money. We're struggling. We don't have the job that we want or the job that we need. Or, or sometimes unexpected bills come and, and our pits have to do with money and we're kind of trying to figure it out. And in the midst of this cistern, in the midst of this pit, God shows us contentment. God shows us generosity. God shows us faithfulness in giving. He changed our mindset. The pit brought us to a place of change. And the church says... Sometimes our pit has to do with sickness, unexpected sickness that comes and, and attaches itself to our bodies. And, and then we have learned what spiritual health is. And we have learned uh, the importance of, of, of trusting in God and waiting on God. And we've come to humble ourselves and know that we're not invincible. And we've learned that in the pit. Pit comes to bring change. Some of us have to deal, have dealt with hard people. Anybody deal with hard people? 
Not here. No hard people here. But sometimes in life, we have been taken to a pit, a cistern, because of relationships and, uh, and, and people who, who we want to love, but we're having a hard time loving them. And people who we want to love us, but they're having a hard time loving us. Or maybe the pit is, is even dealing with other Christians that are, are in church with us or in our family, family with us. And, and they're different than we are, but we're trying to figure it out. But it's caused us tension. Could it be that in that pit, God is teaching us, he's, he's changing some things in the way that we look at people and giving us patience, understanding, resistance, letting us know it's not always our way or our will. But the pit has brought us to a place of change. Right? So we're reminded the pit is a place, uh, it's a dry place, a lonely place, a place of abandonment and betrayal. It, it's a sense of, of hardships in this life where fear and insecurities get there. But today I want to remind you that we all have to go through pits in life. They are inevitable. And what is it that God wants to show us when we're in that pit? What change does he want to make because regardless of where we are the bible says and the lord was with him so that means that god wants to bring a change and the church says in this pit joseph had nothing he was being prepared to serve people and serve god's people and god had to make some changes within him and he started him on this life journey of change and it all began in the pit and the church says number two the pit is a place of transition the pit was a place of transition for joseph joseph would no longer be under his father's care he would no longer be a free man he would no longer be a member of his family but now he would be a slave it was a a place of transition uh, the pit was a place of transition. It was an instrument that God wanted to use to eventually locate Joseph first to Potiphar's house, then to prison, then serve um, in Egypt under Pharaoh's leadership. Transitions. Change. Because the pit is inevitable, we will spend time there. And one of the reasons that God allows us to spend time in the pit is because he's bringing transitions into our lives. He's moving some things within us, right? Because of the pit, it is inevitable. We have to go through it. We have to pass through it. At times, we are reminded it's because of transition. Many have transitioned churches because of pit experiences, cistern experiences, where we have found ourselves transitioning churches. Uh, some We have received some because of hardship, and some have left, unfortunately, because of hardship. We understand, uh, but sometimes pit experience brings transitions in our lives and God allows them because he's with us to what take us to the next thing that we can grow that we can learn that we can learn another school of thinking and it's transitions that occur in our life pit experiences bring those transitions many have had to transition friends because of pit experiences because of pit experiences you know what we go through things and and now people have been removed from our lives Maybe people we've done ministry with. Maybe people that we have served with. And now this pit experience uh, that has brought me to a place of hardship has transitioned people from our lives. I remember as a kid, 
I was probably something like 19, 20 years old. I had a group of friends, and, and we had a huge conflict. And conflict had to do with, 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 with the adults in our lives and everything. It was huge. And we actually had to stop being friends for a season. And they were my dearest friends. And I remember that I started hanging out with another group of Christian young people. Today, some of the people in that group are my best friends today. At the moment, you don't see it. The hurt of the pit is real. But God was transitioning something in my life because he was going to bring people around me that were going to help me for a whole lifetime. Whole lifetime. So pit seasons come to us, but the Bible says, but the Lord was with him. Maybe you're going through some things and there's some transitions happening in your life and you say, man, the people that used to be with me, they're not with me no more. Because the Lord is with you, hindsight will tell you one day why the Lord has allowed change like that in your life. Many have had to transition in ministry, you know, for different reasons. Pit experiences, pit experiences have brought them to changes in their life and, and uh, assignments change. But the heart and passion for God and his people never changes. But pit experiences will bring change, transitions to our lives. Even at times in a marriage. I want to say, Pastor Becky and I, we're not advocates for divorce. Our church is not an advocate for divorce. We're not. But we do understand that cisterns, pits in life, at times, can bring us to a place of transition. Because sometimes abuse and infidelity and abandonment is so much that the need of transition is critical in the life. And I want to tell you, for those that have had to go through that process, and God was with him. The Lord is with you. And the church says, some have had to transition from cities and, and their own cultures and their own countries. And God has allowed pits in our life to transition us out of addictions. Sometimes hardships have come so much where we've had to make hard changes and, and it has been for our own growth and our own spiritual growth and our own health. And God allows it for change, for transition, to move us out of something into something else that he wants to do in our lives. And we trust if God has allowed a pit in our life, then it's because he's doing something new within us. Although transitions are hard, once time has passed and we look back, we can see how God has been with us. We can see how he led us. For Joseph, this transition was going to save not only his life, but eventually it would save his whole family. Not only would this transition save him, but it would be what's going to keep the promise given to his grandfather, Abraham and Isaac, when God speaks to them and tells them, your descendants will be like the sand of the sea and like the stars, and the promise will come from you. God used Joseph, transitioned them to Egypt. Why? Because he was going to be the instrument that was going to hold on to the promise of God. And as you read Genesis through 50, you get to see that. So I want to encourage you today. No, you might be going through a pit experience in your life, but it's God that is doing a transition. And the church says, in the Bible we see this as well. This is not new. God allows hardship. God allows transition to help us into his will. If you look at the life of Daniel, many of you know Daniel. He was a young man under the time of the Babylonian captivity. He's taken to Babylonia, and there he has to serve um, under the uh, leadership of Babylonia at the time, and, and he's there for years. 
He's there for years, and God gives him a grace, and God gives him a favor, and he becomes a leader of the Hebrew people in that place, a person of influence in that place. God allowed transition in his life, and he became an instrument that is believed that even helped the Israelites return back to Jerusalem one day. So I just want to encourage you and remind you today that, that, that God allows pit experiences in our life to bring change. Even the pit experience of the persecution of the church in Acts, it was a pit experience, persecution upon the church, and they were scattered to different lands. But in Acts chapter 11, it says, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So perhaps God is allowing a, a hardship in your life. Uh, I want to remind you today that it's there where you see transition. And the church says, Number three. So we're talking about in, um, uh, inevitable pit. The inevitable pit. The inevitable pit is for change. Sometimes it's changing our mindset for transition. Sometimes the Lord is doing something new, transitioning things or people or places in our life. Number three, the pit is a place of preparation. Without the pit, Joseph would not be ready for the palace. Without the pit, Joseph would not be ready to lead in Egypt. His father's house would not offer him enough schooling for the palace. So the pit, Potiphar's house, the prison, that was all preparation to get him ready to serve in the palace. Because it is in the palace that he would save Egypt. It is in the palace where he would even save his own family. So his father's house wasn't enough. So God allowed preparation to occur in his life through the pit. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're going through something. God is preparing you. He's uh, doing something new. He's showing you his will. God in his sovereignty allows things in our life to prepare us for what is to come. He allows pits in our lives because we learn from them. We grow from them. They build stamina because of our experiences in the pit. And there we get to see the will of God in our lives. He uh, is the potter and we are the clay. He is forming and shaping us exactly to be who he needs us to be so that we can be most effective in the place that he leads us. And the church says, the pit is a place of preparation. Uh, some observations with regard to the place of preparation. It, it's not easy. Preparation is not easy. Going through this is not easy. You know, the pit in itself is not easy. Joseph had to, to deny himself. He had to deal with loneliness and doubt and, and all those emotions that came with it. It's not easy. Um, we're going through hardships and we, we wonder why and, and we know it's, it's not easy, but the Lord is with us. I want to remind you today that the Lord will never let you go through anything that you cannot bear, but he always provides a way out. The, the pit is not easy, but it is preparing us for everything that God wants to do in our lives. So the pit is not easy, and the pit is not fast. Sometimes we think, hey, let, let's, just, let's just get through these problems quickly. But, you know, you ever see those people who come in and they go to the top real quick? Those who rise up quick go down quick. But those who learn the process of preparation, they've learned what it is to build resistance. They learn what it is to build leadership. They learn what it is to build um, their faith in the word of God as they grow they, they become strong, faithful Christians. And why? Because they've understood that the process is not easy. In fact, for Joseph, 
you know, uh, it took 13 years. He was 17 years old uh, when he was put in the pit, and it was, he was 30 years old when he began to lead in Egypt. It was a process of 13 years. So the pit is not easy, and it, it's, it's, not, it's not fast. But I want to let you know that when you submit yourself to the will of God, when we submit ourselves to the will of God, we definitely may not be who we want to be a year from now, but we're not who we used to be a year ago. The Lord has done something in our lives. And the church says. So talking about preparation, it's, it's, it's not easy, it's not fast, but it is necessary. The pit experience is necessary so that we can reach the potential that God has for us. Preparation is all about reaching our potential. God knew the potential that was in Joseph and he put him through a process of preparation. He will never give us more than what we can bear. But without the pit, we cannot reach our potential. Potential is what we are. Um, but it has not yet been manifested. And through life experiences, we begin to grow and blossom and flourish into this mature believer that God has called us. And it's only pit experiences that allows us to have those things. Everything that God allows in our life is to prepare us for what is, is to come. When we look back, we see it. We see how God has moved in every circumstance for his glory and his honor in our lives. So as I conclude our teaching uh, this morning, we must trust God in the pit. We must um, live right even when we find ourselves in the hardest circumstances of life. You know when we don't get the most out of our pit experiences? When we don't trust God through them. And we try to handle them ourselves. And we try to organize them ourselves. And, and we think that we're witty enough and we're smart enough and, and we're problem solvers. And, and we want to do it ourselves. But when we trust the Lord through the cistern process, through the pit process, there we see change, we see transition, and we see preparation. And it leads us into God's perfect will. Have you seen somebody who you feel like, oh, my God, Lord, help them. They go through one pit experience, through another pit experience, through another pit experience. Sometimes I wonder, is it that we're not responding the way the Lord wants us to respond? So he continues to take us through one season of hardship to another season of hardship. I wonder. I say, Lord, keep me from being stubborn. Keep me from being hard-headed, God. I want to be able to get the lesson on the first time around. Right? I want to encourage you today. The problems are many, hardships are many, but not responding correctly to our pit experience will take us into even harder times in life. So pit experience come, don't abandon God. How many people we've talked to and hardships have come and, and they just blame God, they blame the church, they blame leadership, they blame the person sitting next to them in the pew or the chair, they blame everybody. It's everybody's fault. I want to remind you that when we're in the pit experience, the Lord is with us. Don't abandon God. Trust God for what he's doing in our life. Don't blame others. Turn to the Lord and make yourself available to him to say, God, I realize you're doing something in me. What is it that you want to change? What is it that you want to transition? And what is it that you're preparing me for? And we submit to the process. We submit to the journey. And there, God begins to form us. He, he begins to change. He begins to bring some maturity within us. And because we're just 
instruments in his hands, he eventually places us in the right places, in the right ministries, in the right circumstances, in the right jobs where we can what, reflect his will in every arena that we find ourselves in. Why? Because we're just instruments in his hands. Ultimately, Joseph, this 17-year-old young boy, he was just an instrument in God's hand. And he had to go through pit experiences. Pit, jail, Potiphar, it gets him to Egypt. And there, not only does he become a blessing to, to the whole country, but he is the instrument that God uses to keep his family well. I pray that as the Lord transitions and does these changes and prepares us, that we can become instruments of blessing wherever we go, and then we could also keep our family well. And the church says, Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand as we get ready to close. Perhaps you're here today and you feel like, man, I'm, I'm going through a pit experience right now. I'm going through a hardship right now. And the Lord is talking to you. And he's letting you know how I'm, I'm doing something in you. I'm doing something in you. Take heed to what the Lord is doing in your life. Remember that Jesus, he is our Lord and our Savior. And he is not subject to this world. No, he has overcome the world. So he allows us to go through things here. But he is with us. He is our master. He leads us. He guides us. Uh, he watches over us. And he is he's, he's glorifying himself in us. And the way he does that is by bringing change, transition, and preparing us so that he can be glorified in us. Perhaps you're here today and God is far from you. And you are in a cistern in life. You're in a pit. You are in a hard place in your life. You feel like, man, I can relate with that. Lonely, insecure, fearful. Man, I feel I, I need help. And, you, and God is far from you. Then you got to manage this yourself. And you don't know what is going on in your life. But when he is our Lord and Savior, and we understand that we have submitted to him, and his sovereignty rules over our life, knowing past, present, and future, seeing what we see and seeing what we don't see, we submit our lives to him, even in the midst of pit experiences, we know that he is being glorified, and he will not forsake us in those places. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, man, I'm far from God and I'm, I'm, I'm going through something. I want to tell you that he wants to change something in you today. He wants to transition something in you today. And he wants to prepare you for something that your mind has never even conceived that God wants to do with you today. And that comes first with a submission. Lord, I submit myself to you. To receive him as our Lord and Savior is to say, I deny myself of myself and I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Asking him to come into your heart and say, God, I need you. And there is a promise of forgiveness and a, a promise if we repent that he will fill us with his spirit. That he will write our names in the book of life. And there is a journey that starts today and finishes in eternity with him. Maybe you're here today and you are far from God, and you're living a pit experience, today is the day of salvation. 
If you're here today and the Lord is speaking to you, in a minute our worship team will begin to lead worship. And I'm going to ask you to be so bold. Would you join us here at the altar? And those who are going to pray for you say, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. Or I want to reconcile to the Lord. And they want to lead you in that prayer. And maybe to the church you're going through some hardship and the Lord is speaking to you with regard to change and preparation and a transition, and if you would like prayer that the Lord will help you apply the teaching to your life, then the altar is also open for you this morning. God bless you. God keep you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.